0: calling for it.
1: James can only fist it. It comes for Cantoner! Oh! I don't believe it! Well led by York. Fed by Cole. Back to Annie Cole from Dwight York. Fantastic goal for Manchester United. Can Manchester United score? They always score. Gates with a shot. Cheering him
0: There's a Lot I want to get through, Chris, in the next 30 minutes how you joined United, your injury, your role at Salford City. But first of all, I think an appropriate place to start is to discuss Salford's promotion a fourth promotion in five seasons. It's a really exciting time.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic achievement. Um, I've been, in there, been at the club two and a half years now, so you know, obviously, winning. The, the two back-to-back promotions was really important for us and a, a, and a great uh, great achievement for everybody associated with the club. But the previous years before that, leading up to that, there was uh, there was another two or three promotions and uh, the club's gone from from strength to strength really since the since the owners came in and you know hopefully we can con- continue on that, uh, that you know in that very form you know so that's the idea but uh, we'll see where it takes us.
0: Obviously in the semi-final. I went to penalties. Did you fear the worst when Adam Rooney missed the first penalty? Did you think it might not be your day? Yeah,
1: because I mean Adam. I think Adam had taken three or four penalties throughout the season. He scored twenty odd goals, and uh, you know he's he's really normally quite deadly from from twelve yards out. So uh, you know when he no, the, the 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 worrying thing was not only did he miss the penalty, but he, he pulled his thigh as well at the same time, and. Um, if we got through to the player final, then it was we knew it was going to be struggling for that. So it was a double whammy, so to speak. And you know, when, when they scored their first penalty, then uh, we looked like we were really up against it. But you know, thankfully the, the lads held the nerves, took some fantastic penalties, and obviously Chris at the end made a really good save for us. So um, yeah, it, was, it was a bit nerve wracking to be fair after <laughs> it that one.
0: How much emphasis do you put on youth and promoting local lads to the first team? How, how important is that to you personally?
1: Probably the most important thing for me and the club um, that we give young players an opportunity. And, you know, owners showed me the vision. Um, you know, it, it was built around developing our own players and giving young players an opportunity like we all got at United. Uh, and it's it's really rewarding when you see young players playing in the first team coming through, well, or you even know, sometimes not in not in your first team, but going on to have a, a career. Uh, possibly another club or in another uh, uh, profession. You know, we're about developing character, and developing people. Not everyone can become a footballer, uh, but if players and young, young people leave our club in a better way, and you know, with a with a career ahead of them, then we've done our job. You know, and that's like I say that's the exciting part about it. And every player that comes through, hopefully, will we'll leave in a in a better place. But yeah, it's, it'd be great if we could. Over the next two or three years, start getting because the academy's only been up and running two years, and our first intake were a group of 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old, you know, lads. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've now five of them have signed professional contracts for us uh, in an under twenty squad, uh, and, and Alex Doyle is for the first team and, and pre-season. So, so that for me is a you know a mark of what we can look to achieve, and we kind of signalled our intention. To develop young players, when we we brought Warren Joyce in as well, because Warren's developed so many good good players at United. Um, he's he's really good with with young young footballers. It's uh, you know he's got a manner with him. Uh, he works them hard, uh, and that's the results he's achieved over the the past years speak for themselves. So. That's the emphasis that we put on our Academy and developing our own players. So like I said, hopefully, you know, in the next twelve months, two years we can start seeing the fruits of that.
0: Yeah, I mean you mentioned the Academy there, so I'll stick with that for a minute. Uh how much of Academy ninety two has been influenced by the United Class of ninety two model? Yeah,
1: we we took the we took the basics and the, the the core values really of you know, the way that we were brought up with hard work, practice. Uh, resilience, you know all the things that you had to show as a young player at United, and a lot of these players, or nearly all of our players that have signed for our academy have, have had to show that resilience because a lot of cases have been released from other clubs and we've picked them up from there, so they've had that uh, disappointment already in their career and they've managed to bounce back uh, and show that character, um, and that's it, it's, we've got really good coaches in the academy. Um, and the United model was pretty simple, really. Like I say, it was built on a uh, challenge, it was built on hard work, it was built on really high standards. And whether you're United or whether you're Salford City or any other club, um, you know, when I was at Bury, I think we developed, you know, some of our own... I think we did, i I give, like, when I was a manager, I think I'd give 12 to 13 debuts. And that was some lads who came in on loan, but they were only 19, 18, 19-year-old 19 players. And, you know, like I said before, to bring good players, good young players into a team is, is um, you know, really rewarding. But at United, the, the, it was, it was pretty, pretty basic, but really simple. But set high standards and set, you know, a, a level of challenge in your training and, and your discipline and the way that you work. And that came from the manager, really. I mean, all that example came through Sir Alex and... Um, you know, we're we, we just trying to do the same things really. When you know, with our academy, and that's like it. Hopefully, we could in the next couple of years start seeing the fruit
0: of that. I'd like to ask you about Foundation Ninety Two. I'm particularly interested in that. It sounds great. I love the idea of what you're trying to do. But for our readers who are unfamiliar, what are some of the primary objectives of the foundation?
1: Yeah, it's. it's um, I mean, Andrew Gordon does a fantastic job leading that uh, project. Uh, uh, and it's it's the uh, it's the the, um, it's the development of the local community. What can we give back to the local community of Salford, um, which we think, or we we believe is, is so very important. Uh, you know, that might be with the development of the um, the, ho- uh, the homeless team uh, going into schools, working with the uh, working with the, the the children in there, and basically giving back to to the community and. Um, you know, and, and, and help them build a football club, not just build a team, but build a, um, build a club where everybody's involved throughout Salford. Like I say, we just don't want to work in isolation, and the Foundation can do a fantastic job, of the people involved in that have done a, a really excellent job so far uh, to, to send that message out and to involve the local, local community. because so like I say, we think it's, it's really important, so um, hopefully that will continue to build. You know, like I say, it's not just about not building a first team, it's about building a football club, and the foundation's a massive part of that.
0: I'd like to talk with your own United journey now, Chris, if that's okay. Um, you signed in July 91, but can you explain that process? I
1: started, well, I was playing for Burnley Town Team. I, I grew up in Burnley. My father was um, a Burnley player, Burnley manager, playing for Burnley Town Team, um, and an ex- Manager, Burnley manager, was a guy called Joe Brown, and Joe was the local scout for United. Um, and Joe asked me and uh, the father to, um, uh, well, when well, he supported myself and my father, and he asked if I'd be available to come on for, for a trial for a, for a week in the summer. I think it was eighty-eighty-nine or yeah, I think it was nineteen eighty-nine. So I was only about fourteen at the time um so i had a week over it you know i then got asked back for another week further in the year um and then i offered a uh a, a, con- a professional uh, sorry a scholarship contract when i was 15 so it was kind of you know it was like a four or five year contract really so it was a two-year uh, scholarship and a two-year professional contract um so that was that was kind of you know my early part of my career kind of sorted really because like I said I, 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 don't, I had offers to go to quite a few clubs um, Aston Villa Knott's Forest uh, Tottenham um, I didn't want I didn't want to go obviously if Man United come knocking on your door and offer you that kind of opportunity then you know I, I just wanted to go to United so um, yeah that's that's how it came about really and what was
0: your first impression of Sir Alex? do you know what he's he, like I said, my dad was a manager at the time as well.
1: So um, he he was just really just some someone that you just really admired and looked up to. He wasn't scary or anything like that. Or, or you know, I just admired him. And one of the first things that <coughs> that happened uh, when I was there, uh, when I first started, my dad lost his job at, Bur- at Burnley, uh, and I was still only sixteen, the first year. Apprentice and whatever, uh, and he called me into the he called me into his office and asked me if how I was and if it was okay and you know if my dad my dad was and you know if I needed anything or he needed anything just to give him a call and I thought you know that kind of care and, you know just giving young players you know that kind of feeling of you know being made to feel welcome and, and I say care I suppose. It's absolutely invaluable. So, um, you know, just in like that again, like I said before, it's just the standards he set and what he expected of you. Just, you know, that that's what you know really is admirable about him. Even now, you know, you still you still see him at games, and after what he went through with his illness last year and to come back from that, and you know, he's just a just a a, a, a guy that you just admire so much and look up to. You know, so yeah, he's. Um, he was a, a real role model for, for a lot of players. Um, and his staff reflected that as well. You know, we've got Eric Harrison obviously and Nobby Styles and Brian Kidd and Jim Ryan and we all had that work ethic and you know, he chose his staff really well and they did mirror him and you know, that's why I suppose it was so successful really.
0: Do you think that personal touch that you just mentioned was one of his biggest strengths? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think
1: you know, when when you played for him and, you didn't perform, you didn't feel as though you were letting yourself what you did. You felt like you were letting yourself down. You felt you were letting him down as well because you know he put a lot of trust in you, a lot of faith in you, and you always wanted to do extra a little bit because that you know not because he expected it or you know demanded it. He demanded the high standards, but you know because he he trusted you and put so much, um, so much care into you, so much time into you that you wanted to repay him back, I suppose, and. You know that's um, it's a it's a great quality to have, and you know it, it gets to know everybody's everybody's names, everybody's parents' names, gets to know everything about you. And I say that level of detail and attention, I think is what makes him stand out more than more than any other manager that, that I've ever known, anyway. You know, so it's, uh, if you can replicate that, I don't know whether you know he's, he's obviously it's got some skill, and it comes down to hard work. as well, you know, and, and what he. Uh, what he's achieved is it, just come down to those, those standards and that hard work. Let's jump to
0: 1994 now, your debut, Port Vale. Um, when did you know you'd be involved in that game?
1: Yeah, well, i have been involved with the first team um, uh, in pre-season. Um, and then I played in a tournament uh, against Rangers, at Rangers. There was uh, United Rangers, Newcastle. And I think it was Fiorentina, I have to check. Um, anyway, uh, we played Newcastle on the Friday uh, and we lost on penalties. And then in the next game we played uh, Rangers on the Sunday, I think. And I played in that. Um, and I played at Wolves in a pre-season friendly as well. So I was doing really well. Um, <clears throat> and it was the day before our first... Uh, first reserve game. Uh, we were training, and I, I, I broke my ankle really badly. Made a mess of my ankle. Uh, did the ligaments in it, and um, I, I came back because I knew all the young players were going to be involved. Or you know, I'd seen what was happening really, and um, you know, with the uh, European rule as it was, then you know, you could only have five foreign players in that in the in the European team, uh, and you know, a foreign player including the likes of Ryan Giggs and. Dennis Irwin and uh, Brian McClough, they were all as so he could only have five, and you scored a sixteen. So the manager knew that he had to bring the young English players through. So you knew that he were going to be involved, and I, you know, I knew I was injured for the first game at Port Vale. I made myself available for the, for the for the game at Old Trafford, and to be fair, I was was miles off being fit, and I wasn't really fit for the next. Two or three months, really, and um, it's one of them where uh, you, you think you're doing the right thing, but actually you're not because you're not doing yourself any any justice. So, um, but you know, I was leading up to the games, excited and you know, playing at Old Trafford in front of you know thirty five thousand, forty thousand, whatever it was, was a, a real good experience. And thankfully, we won the game. But you know, I just wish that it probably wasn't the right time for me to play. I probably should have held off for another three or four weeks, but. Because you wanted to be involved and everyone was getting the chance, you didn't want to miss out, I suppose, so that's, that's life, that's suppose.
0: I guess we were just desperate to take the chance that was coming our way.
1: Yeah, like I said, we knew what uh, was what coming and uh, we knew we'd got an opportunity uh, Well, we'd get an opportunity. Um, so if you, wanted to be, you wanted to be there and you didn't want to get left behind, um, so that's why I did that.
0: Obviously, then you were sold in nineteen ninety eight to Reading. Uh, how much of a blow was that to you personally? No, it, it was it was long overdue to be fair, um, I was, uh, I was I'd
1: been loan to Bournemouth when I was twenty, um, and I kind of knew that, you know, I, I always believed in my own ability, but I kind of knew that it was going to be really tough to to to, to break in and. Young players, if, if they're not part of the, you know, the first team, you know, playing c- quite regular games, by the time they're twenty, twenty-one, it's, you're going to find it tough because under twenty, uh, reserve team games and under 23s games are just not competitive enough. So, I went to Bournemouth when I was twenty, and then I went the following year to Swindon. Uh, and just then, playing first team football, Swindon was the in the championship at the time. Or what would be the championship now, top of the league. Um, The two clubs couldn't come to an agreement with the with the transfer fee, so I didn't sign there. And then the year after, I played a few games for the first team and was involved in the European Champions League. Um, You know, semifinal, you know, involved in the squad and all the rest of it. But it it wasn't satisfying what I needed to do. And I'd I'd seen manager a few times and said, "Look, I need a career. You know, I need to kick start." You know something that I, I, you know, I want to you know, play five, six, seven hundred league games, and you know I, I can only stay at United for so long in the reserves, and you know not really improving. And because, like I say, once you get to to nineteen and you're not playing men's football, or regular, you know, competitive football, it, it's always it's always difficult. So the the loan the long, uh, spells did me really good, and I came back, you know, really confident that I could could handle the. You know, the, the first team environment. Um, and when it came, when Reading came, the offer came, and I'd been on loan um, and done really well there. <clears throat> and I saw what the club were looking to achieve. They just moved into the Majeski Stadium. Um, they got a, uh, an outstanding manager in Tommy Burns, who was a really good guy, great coach. Uh, and the two clubs agreed a fee, and it wasn't Obviously I was moving down two divisions but I knew the club wasn't going to stand still for long and within three years we'd won promotion at the Championship and then you know a couple more years Reading had won promotion to the Premier League so that was my intention but obviously after just over a year things had uh, gone, gone pretty badly wrong.
0: Hi this is Ken Doherty and you're listening to Red Devil Talk the podcast with Jimmy Williams. Did you realise at the time, the severity of the injury, or did you think you'd be back?
1: No, I, I thought I'd be back. Um, I, I knew straight away that, um, I, I, that I'd brought my leg. Cause, you know, I, I'd seen my leg was, was in Snapped it too, so I knew, that, um, I knew what I'd done. And it was quite strange, really, because at the time there'd been a couple of similar kind of injuries. Um, Henrik Larsson was one of them as well. Uh, and he came back he was, he was fine but i i also had damage to my to my ankle and my knee in the same in the same tackle and um my one of my my bones in my leg didn't heal didn't fix so i was out for i came back actually i did i came back after about 14 15 months and um, but i was still playing with i'm still playing effectively with a broken leg and i give it a go for five or six months and Got through pre you know, got towards the end of the season. So I came back in January, February time uh, in 2001. Um, played a few games, played a few reserve team games, uh, did a full pre season. But it still wasn't right. I still didn't feel right. I wasn't confident. I mean, the tackle itself was pretty was shocking me. It was a pretty bad tackle. Um, you know, like I say, when I was still getting knocked on the leg and twisted, I was, I was still in a lot of pain. And it, wasn't great, and so I just came to the. I wasn't threatening the first team, and I just, you know, tried to strike a ball one day, and there was no conviction behind it. And I spoke to Alan Pardew and said, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm, you know, it's just, it's just not working." I, you know, I didn't see the specialist, and he said the only way you, you're going to get the bones to heal is, is by a bone graft, which was going to take another ten months. So that had been. I wouldn't play the. Professional game really for nearly three years. If the bone grass, even if the bone grass was successful, and I just said I, I can't do it anymore. It's just you know three years out of the game. Who's going to touch me? And, you know I'd, I'd have to go on trial and, and whatever. So I um, I made that decision. Uh, my little girl had just been born, and I said I've, it, was, it was a professional decision, but also from a personal perspective, I just I said I just couldn't put the family through it anymore, uh, and went straight into coaching it. To, Bath University, where I was living, near. Um, um, I coached the university team and Team Bath, who we were we were in the FA Cup for the first. We got through the first round of the FA Cup for the first time in 125 years that a university team had got through. So it was a, it was good for me. It was you know the next part of my footballing career. I just went straight into that cause, you know I, I didn't really know anything else really. Cause from 14 years old, years old, I was always. You know, I was always—I'd always been a footballer and whatever, so um, you know, thankful for that job and that opportunity.
0: From a mental aspect, what was the impact of having to retire because of injury on you? Were you angry?
1: Yeah, you go through a lot of emotion. Obviously, <clears throat> I mean, straight after the, the tackle, um, you know, I, I got a lot of anger because there was no need for it. It was just a, you know, a lad a carpenter just put me out, took a cheap shot at me, and, uh, and you know, obviously did what he did and. I know in his half heart hour he wouldn't have set out and my career, but it he wasn't a great tackle and he knew he was gonna he was gonna hurt me um so I was angry about that um and then kind of like yourself confidence and your self esteem starts to go because you go into the club every day and you know you're not affecting the first team you know you're not doing your job basically and you can kind of, like i say your esteem goes and a little bit. And, like I say you lose confidence in your your own ability and yourself, and you worry about if you're ever going to come back and what kind of you know um, play you're going to be if you come back. Um, have you got the confidence to go into another one of those tackles Cause as a defender or any you know any any kind of football? You've got to be you've got to make tackles and whatever. And, you know every every tackle that I saw was kind of you know it's you're kind of thinking, oh, it's a bad injury, or it's a bad tackle, and they weren't, you know, before the tackling, they were fine, and used to go, in. used to be, you know, I thought, I thought it was a good tackler, and quite aggressive, and that, but something changed, after, after the injury, and after that tackle, and it wasn't the same, and like I said, in those five or six months, that I came back, I knew I was the same player, and, you know, you just, you just try as much as you could, and you see psychologists, and you see, you know, all kinds of people, and, and whatever, and, so, you know, I just, it just wasn't the same mentally for me. When
0: you're injured in such a way, is there a fear of re-injury when you're rehabilitating?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had uh, I an had, I had um, internal fixatory nail. And it was basically hammered straight down the middle of my, 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 my shin bone um, and then locked either side. So I, I wasn't in a plaster cast, which kind of uh, helped in a way with... Uh, rehabilitation because it meant that I could you know, I, I wasn't immobilised, you know, I was still using my muscle so I didn't get a lot of muscle, muscle wastage really, but what they did pick up or what they didn't re- realise was that the damage to my ankle was pretty severe because the impact that had gone on kind of like you know, five, six inches above the ankle but the impact and uh, the force that went through my ankle meant that a lot of damage in my, within my ankle and the ligament in there had basically just been just gone uh, um, and snapped. So after six months, I was expected to be able to run, and I couldn't even get a jog. Not not because of the pain in my leg, but because of the pain in my ankle. Um, and ultimately, after nine months, the the pin should stay for at least twelve months. After nine months, they took the pin out so we could do a, an MRI scan, um, and which, like I say, revealed the extent of the damage to my ankle. Um, so at nine months, I've still got three months really when the pin should stayed in. And, all the time, there you are thinking, you know, I just one knock on this, and I wasn't back training or anything. But you know, one slip or whatever, we're refactoring your leg, and all. so there's always that. There was always that um, that concern that that could happen, and then you know, once the once the bone starts to heal and and whatever, then you get a big thick chunk of calcium around the, the, the fracture site, and. Um, you know, he's pretty strong after that, but like I said the, the the fibula didn't heal, so it wasn't a matter of re-injuring. It was it was still injured, really. You know, and then you're always concerned about you know how what extent and that, what that's going to lead to. It's basically further in your life as well. You don't want to be suffering with, with an injury, you know, further in your career or further in your life. So there's always that that concern as well.
0: Do you think there ought to be better support networks in place in order to Maintain the mental health of players who are injured over a prolonged period of time.
1: I think there's a lot more now. I think uh, I think clubs are a lot more aware of uh, you know the mental side of the game. You know, I think players a lot. You know, players and sports people. You know, you see the elite athletes. They've all got you know psychologists, and I don't think it's to help with any kind of. you know, the injury and stuff, I think it's more for mental, the, the, sorry, the, the performance aspect of it. But, yeah, I possibly do think that, you know, players who do have a, a long-term injury and I've come across whilst I've been, uh, sorry, been a, a coach and a manager, I've always gone out of my way to feel, um, you know, I have a responsibility and a duty to make sure that they're still kept part of the, the squad and the team and the club. Because I know what it's like, because I wasn't at Reading, I was, you know, made to feel part of everything, and that's pretty bad. To be fair, it's um, when you when you you know you see your, your teammates going out to train all the time, and you're not involved, and you kind of you know, as in an injury, you kind of you're made to feel in the way. You know, they don't want you anywhere near the training ground, and you know, certain people anyway. So I always I always make sure that. Players who have, you know, picked up an injury. if it's a, you know, it might not even be a long-term, just a normal injury. Players that want to get injured, and you know, they've got a, There has to be a, um, you know, help for them that you know they are still part of it. And you know, you can't go, you can't let players deal with it on their own because you can't. And there has to be that, you know, that that level of support. So, but definitely the longer-term injuries, you, you go through all kinds of. Scenarios and all kinds of uh, mental, mental issues, I suppose. And I explained before about you know what do you, what do you, what you're going to do when you finish playing? Can you get back playing? What if this and what if that? And you know you go through all kinds of questions about yourself and you know uh, your personal life and how you're going to be able to cope really. So it's, uh, it is a tough time, and there has to be, I think there should be, you know, that level of care and attention. I think clubs are a lot better with that now now
0: I'd like to finish on a positive note Chris um, what's next for Salford what's your goals for the next campaign well I mean the goal is, is to be competitive and to challenge uh, in the in the league that we're in
1: in league 2 um, like I said Jim I think the the challenge or you know the, the the aim for the club in you know the next five years is to, uh, is to establish itself as a football league club and, and Build, you know, not just the first team, but the academy, the ladies team, the foundation, you know, all the different aspects of the club, um, and you know, what what would you know? What's the target to get into what division or whatever division? I think as so long as you're building the club, you know, and establishing and doing all the right things, you you'll get your success anyway. So that's my the main part of my job is to make sure all those you know different parts of the club are. Uh, being developed, you know, especially from a football perspective, you know, the ladies team, the academy, the first team, the under-20s team, uh, you know, make sure all the, you know, good as sports science department as possible, medical department, uh, performance analysis, making sure the players have access to as much support as as we can give them. Once all that's in place and we, we, you know, continue to develop and build that, then, See where we end up, but uh, that, that's that for me. I think it's, uh, you know where where we are as a, a, as a club at the minute.
0: We well, are certainly heading the right direction. I wish you all the best with it.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, um, uh, we'll see where it goes. And again, it's, we're into the unknown. Really, on the first game in the in the football league for us, and you know it was the same last year in the conference. And you know, so we've got a you know we've got a good squad. Uh, we've got an outstanding manager. Um, so
0: we'll see where we end up. So thanks for listening that was Chris Casper's story give it a like a retweet let me know what you think all that fun stuff I appreciate all the positive feedback and comments I've received lately over the next couple of weeks I will to be sharing interviews with Martin Buchan Gordon Hill Willie Morgan which I think will be really enjoyable so yeah cheers
1: Calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Canton. I don't believe it. Well left by York. Fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole from Dwight York. Fantastic goal for Manchester United. Can Manchester United score? They always score. Gage with a shot.